are going to begin a three-week series tonight on the book of Hosea. Um, just a show of hands, anyone familiar with the book of Hosea? Uh, it's right kind of uh, in the middle of the prophets, kind of at the beginning of the minor prophets. And so if, uh, if you're not familiar with it, I'd love to just kind of show you uh, I've got some echo up here. I don't know if I can fix that somehow, but um, where it is in the Bible, kind of in the middle of the Old Testament, you'll see there, book number 28, uh, Hosea. Uh, so if you do have your Bibles, or if you have a Bible, um, and if you don't, no big deal, we will uh, be putting the verses on the screen. However, I will say, I think it would be incredible, uh, especially as we walk through books of the Bible and whole kind of passages together, uh, that you'd be able to kind of see for yourself and take notes with us as we go along. Now, we are going to be going through some PG-13 content. Uh, and so, and some of you are like, I am aware of that now. Thank you. Um, so uh, here's, here's the deal. Um, when it comes to, if I can just give you a, a little bit of a warning, um, a warning and a request, okay? Uh, let me go to the request first. Um, here's what I'm going to ask of you is, is a sense of maturity uh, as we walk through these uh, topics. And so um, there is, sometimes maturity looks like not distracting your neighbor, and sometimes maturity looks like uh, allowing uh, us to go through this topic and not just laughing through it. Uh, but thinking deeply about some of these things because uh, we are going to talk about something very uh, serious. So if you'll just, that's my request, is just for uh, maybe an added measure of maturity. Uh, my warning is that some of you are like, hey, listen, uh, things aren't great at home with mom and dad or whatever the scenario is right now. And this is kind of uh, uh, hurtful. This is kind of emotional for me. And I, I want to say I, I understand that and I'm sorry. Um, and and, and it's everyone, everyone's story in here is different. Um, if you're walking through something like that, you're not alone. Uh, you wouldn't be the first one to go through it. And there's people that would be able to kind of help you. Um, I do want to let you know, that's not what this series is about, is not talking about your parents and their marriage. Um, but in, in particular, there is a strong symbolism in the Bible uh, when it comes to our relationship with God, uh, marriage is, is a symbolism of our relationship with God. In fact, uh, when it comes down to it, if you really want to get specific, uh, we believe that the, the, the idea of marriage came from God, that he created it. Uh, we don't believe that this is a, a United States of America thing or a, or, a, or, a, or a government thing. This is something that God instituted. He gave us marriage. And technically, marriage is really there as, um, for sure, companionship, right? Um, right off the bat, we talked about creation in the last couple of weeks. And just kind of to go a step deeper into that, we, create, we see uh, Adam created. And then uh, not long after that, it's not good for um, this man to be alone. Or uh, I want to create a helper suitable uh, for him. Uh, P.S. Ladies, when God said that word helper to describe uh, the wife in this scenario, um, that is a word that God uses to describe the Holy Spirit, that God uses to describe himself in a way. Not to say like, ooh, look at us, but I'm just saying, like it's, it's high praise to be called, like your help, helper, uh, the Holy Spirit is called a helper, kind of same word there. And so there, marriage uh, is given to us as a picture of, of our relationship with God. And so as the girls in the crowd, you're uh, associated with becoming brides one day. But men, um, 
in this scenario, like we as the church are the bride of Christ. Um, and so it's a little bit of a, G, uh, a leap or a jump for us to kind of get there. Uh, but we are, are the bride of Christ. Now, um, I'm wearing my, my wedding ring. Some of you know I'm married to Christy. Some of you like don't know that. Uh, can you just wave your hand, Christy? So people sometimes like, whoa, what? <laughs> they're, they're married? So, someone just found that out recently. Um, and they're like, oh, wow, this is, this is really uh, surprising. Um, but I just took off my wedding ring. Uh, Jarrett, my friend Jarrett was preaching here Sunday, if you were here, which by the way, incredible day of baptism. Some of you are there baptized in the crowd. This is amazing. We're so proud of you. Uh, but he used this illustration, like I just took off my wedding ring. Does that mean that I'm not married anymore? Um, and obviously we would say like, no, that's not what that means. There's symbolism here. Uh, but I, I actually was in the back of the room and I didn't plan on doing this, but I brought, um, I posted on Instagram on November 8th, 2011. Uh, I don't know why I decided to read that date for you, but that's when I posted it. Uh, my wife and I got married on July 29th, 2006. That's 17 and a half years ago or so. Um, and I posted my vows. I posted my vows. And so I'm just gonna read them to you um, because it's going to come into play here with the, the book of Hosea here. I, Mark, take you, Christy. I'm so these, uh, guys, let me just tell you because you're like, what are vows? Let me just, girls know, okay? But the guys... Kind of takes a little bit of a, like, I've never once thought about a wedding in my life, is what the guys are thinking. The girls are like, I've been planning my wedding since I was born. So um, the guys, the vows, or this is that moment, it's like, I, Mark, take you, Christy. This is like, it's a vow. And a vow is a promise. And a vow on a wedding day means a lot. Um, so here's what I'm vow, I, I vowed to Christy on our wedding day. I, Mark, take you, Christy, to be my one and only wife. I promise to be your support. I commit to choose you daily. My love will be centered on Christ, directed to you. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it, so will I do the same for you. Every day I will love and serve you, whether in plenty or in want, on the mountains and in the valleys for all the days of my life. So that's what I like looked across Christy through. By the way, I was ugly crying all morning. Uh, I, was, I wasn't like, oh, like, I'm just, I was like, <laughs> just like, it wasn't handsome. It wasn't cute. It was like very, just a lot. Um, but I was looking at her and I was committing that because I wanted her to know kind of how I felt and how much that mattered to me. Uh, now, have I been a perfect husband for 17 and a half years? Thank you, Brian. He took a shot at me last week, and now he's, he's, he's bringing it back. I appreciate you, Brian. Um, I have not been a perfect, I've not been a perfect husband this week, right? Okay, that maturity, remember that maturity thing? There we go. Let's, let's bring that back. Let's unstack those cans. That, that's a dangerous thing waiting to happen. Okay. Um, so, no, I've not been a perfect husband. I've not been a perfect father. I've not been a perfect follower of Christ. I've not been a perfect human. Um, there's moments when I struggle, uh, and sometimes I get maybe a little selfish, a little inward focused, um, and, and we all do that. And so those vows, are those vows meaningless because I'm not going to be perfect? Well, no, no, those vows mean something and they ought to be able to communicate the heart of what I'm after. But something that I've always said, and again, if I'm stepping on your family kind of dynamic right now, it's just kind of walk with me gently through this. Um, the vows mean a lot um, at the end of the marriage, right? They're proven on the last day, right? There's so much we put into our weddings and they're beautiful. And dude, so much money is spent, right? On these beautiful weddings. But 
the, the really the power and the, 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 the stuff of the marriage isn't like, well, they had a beautiful wedding. So obviously they're like super tight. They love each other because that wedding was beautiful, right? No, it's like in the hard times, in the good times to wake up and to choose each other as husband and wife. Now, what's interesting about our picture with our relationship with God is the book of Hosea really starts like in Genesis and Exodus because you have all of creation happening, right? The fall happened. We talked about that the last couple of weeks. And then they're cast out of Eden and they're kind of trying to figure life out. Well, fast forward to Abraham. Abraham is plucked out of, of kind of thin air and God says, I'm gonna choose you and I'm going to use you to be a blessing to the world right? And, and, and you're going to kind of be the, the grandfather of faith, if you will, right? The, our forefather of faith. And then fast forward even from that, you've got the beginning of Exodus and Moses is kind of plucked out of obscurity and he is going to be used to rescue the Israelites. And uh, once they're rescued and they, they are led to Mount Sinai, there's this specific moment in Exodus 19 all the way to like 32, 35, like there's where the, all the laws are being given by God. This crazy scene is happening on top of Mount Sinai and it's Moses and God talking. From the bottom of the, the mountain, you're able to kind of see this like huge, uh, like it's, the top of it's engulfed in flames and there's like a bright shining light at times and there's a lot going on. And what's interesting is that there's a covenant being made in that moment with God and the people of Israel. And, and what's amazing about this covenant is that God is choosing Israel like through thick and through thin. And God is saying, I'm not giving up on this. And I want you to do the same as well. Well, if you've ever read the Bible, you know that we give up on God left and right. The people of Israel. Sometimes we, we poke fun, right? We have these Bible stories and we're like, and he was supposed to do this, but he did this. And we're like, oh, they're so silly. Why didn't they just trust God? And it's like, look in the mirror, for example, for, for a moment and just realize like none of us perfectly trust God in the same way that none of us are gonna be perfect spouses, husbands, wives when we're married. And so this picture in the book of Hosea is interesting. Um, and, and, you know, I would say that it's probably not very often talked about in church uh, because we kind of hone in on the Jesus stuff in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, sometimes we're talking about the different books and stuff. Hosea is in the prophets. And uh, I want to I wanna just warn you, okay, we're going to say some words that um, at least someone in this room is going to be like, I had no idea that word was in the Bible. I actually just talked to an adult uh, not long ago and they said, what are you talking about? And I said, a word. And they were like, what? how is that a lesson? And I'm like, oh, it's in the Bible. So let's do this. Let's start. Let's start with Hosea chapter one, verse one. Today, we're gonna kind of quickly breeze through chapter one and then chapter three. And, uh, and we're going to spend the next uh, couple weeks on this. So, uh, verses are on the screen there. I'm actually going to be uh, reading from the CSB. and not, I usually preach from the ESV, but I'm, I chose the CSB, uh, which is what our church uses uh, for this series. So, the word of the Lord came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah. These are kings of Judah. This is the southern kingdom 
Um, so at this point, Israel is uh, divided into two kingdoms. Uh, and, and, and then there's Jeroboam, son of Joash, the king of Israel in the north. He's not a, not a great king. Verse 2, when the Lord first spoke to Hosea, he said this to him, go and marry a woman of promiscuity. Pause. Go and marry. That doesn't sound like God, right? Go, we're supposed to be chasing after the godly things, after the, the Bible things, like go and marry a woman of promiscuity. Well, just kind of be patient, but let me go ahead and define that word promiscuity for you. And this is where you're just, I'm going to ask for that maturity to step up a notch, okay? Because this is that word. Promiscuity shows up all over the book of Hosea. And it's a word uh, that could mean harlotry. Some of you are kind of like, well, that sounds like an old school word. Uh, it's a word uh, that could mean uh, prostitution. Define that in a, se in a second. This other word is a synonym for prostitution, and it's in some of your Bibles. It's actually in my ESV, uh, and it's the word whore. Now, some of you are not aware of what that word means, and some of you are, and some of you are just like, I know it's not a good word. It's not. So here's what a prostitute, a whore, a harlot, a woman of promiscuity uh, does. Uh, this is someone who has sex for money. That's what God asked Hosea to marry, a woman of promiscuity. You guys are doing incredible, by the way, at the maturity piece. I appreciate that. Some of you, I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but some of you are like, this is not the section of the Bible I'm used to, right? This, where's Jesus petting the sheep and all that, you know, and just like he loves people and there's fountains and rainbows and cupcakes. Here's the thing. There's <laughs> no fountains and rainbows and cupcakes. Like all jokes aside, the Bible's full of this. Not necessarily this specifically, but it's, it's the grimy it's the dirty, it's the kind of the far from God stuff. The, the Bible, I think, sometimes we get it mixed up that the Bible's full of these heroes that we need to follow. There's one, it's Jesus, follow him. Everyone else does a couple good things in life, maybe, maybe, and then they screw up a bunch of times, right? Like us, like us. And so the Bible's full of humans that God is choosing to use at times, like Hosea, and let me tell you, this is a difficult call because here's what's about to happen. We're going to study this for three weeks. We'll, we'll unpack a lot. By the way, if you have questions, we're going to invite you to ask those. You can ask them after Fuse or on Sunday morning or, or you can text or email or whatever because you're going to have questions, I'm sure. But this is, a, this is God asking Hosea to go marry a prostitute. Go marry someone who's going to cheat on you. Go marry someone who's going to break your heart. Go marry someone who's going to hurt you. Why? Because this is going to be a picture of what God has had to deal with with the bride of Christ. At times, and this is what the book of Hosea is about, we are an unfaithful bride and we have a very faithful right, groom or a heavenly father or God or whatever you want to call it, okay? God has only ever been faithful to us. And we have had multiple moments and we'll probably have other moments in the future where we've been unfaithful. Now, how have we been unfaithful? Well, we're gonna unpack that. 
Go marry a woman of promiscuity. Have children of promiscuity. For the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. That word promiscuity or all those other synonyms are going to show up over and over and over again. Uh, What's happening is idolatry, idol worship. There's specifically a false god that is going to come against uh, this story, and it's Baal. Um, and, and so they are going after Baal when they should be going after God. So here's the deal. Hosea is going to live this story out. By the way, this is historical. This is not like, oh, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a pretty little picture and it's, it's false or it's, it's a, it's a parable. This is not a parable. Hosea was a real man. He was a real prophet. He married a real woman named Gomer. Super, super unfortunate name. Her parents hated her. Am I right? Gomer. Some of y'all are like, my mom's named Gomer. Your grandparents hate your mom. Okay. So he went and married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore a son. So there's going to be three kids. Then the Lord said to him, name him Jezreel. For in a little while, I'll bring the bloodshed of Jezreel in the house of Jehu and put an end to the kingdom of house of Israel. Um, the next verse is going to pop up in just a second. Here's, here's what's happening. This is the firstborn son, and it is reminding them of bloodshed, unnecessary bloodshed from back in the day. This is just a reminder. And then verse five kind of caps it off. On that day, I'll break the bow of Israel in Jezreel Valley. This is kind of a distant reminder. It's going to get a lot more personal with these next two kids. Uh, Kid number two, verse six, she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to him, name her Lo-Ruhama. And you're like, oh, that's a pretty name. What does that mean? It means for I will no longer have, it means no mercy. It means unpitied and it means not loved. That's the name of the child. That's God's decision. That's God's decision. Because check it out. This is maturity. This is my request here. Because this child, every time that name is called out, there's a reminder that there's not been love from the house of Israel. I will have no compassion on the house of Israel. I will certainly take them away. You're like, this does not sound like God. We're going to keep going. Verse 7. But I will, I will have compassion on the house of Judah, and I will deliver them by the Lord their God. Remember, two kingdoms. We'll talk more about that. I will not deliver them by the, the bow, the sword, or war, or by horses, or by cavalry. Next kid. Gomer had weaned uh, Lo-Ruhamah, and she conceived and gave birth to another son. The Lord said, name him Lo-Ami, uh, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. This is the first chapter. This is the beginning of the story of Hosea. This is Hosea's task assignment. He's living in the northern kingdom. He's been tasked to preach and proclaim and prophesy to the northern kingdom. And, and I'm sure at some point he was like, God, what do you got for me? What do you got for me? He's like, go and marry a prostitute and have children of prostitution. If you really want to dig deep into the text, which I love to do, really the only kid in there that you know is Hosea's is the first one because there's some verbiage in the second two that lead you to believe, because it just said she conceived, and she conceived. Um, and so uh, here's, here's what I find interesting about this. This doesn't sound like God. Why is God doing this? And, and my big question 
that I was asking myself, is, and I was thinking maybe about you guys, is, is will God divorce his people? Because all the way back at Mount Sinai, all the way back to Abraham, all the way through the Old Testament, God has, he's made a covenant. He's a promise making, and he's a promise keeping God. And he's going to make a covenant, and he's not going to break it. But the people of Israel broke it in multiple ways. Probably all Ten Commandments. There's more than, than Ten Commandments. There, well, there's the Ten Commandments, and there's all the other laws. 613 total laws or so. Um, but man, it comes down to idolatry. It comes down to idolatry, which I think breaks almost every commandment. It for sure breaks the first two. You shall have one God. You shall not make for yourself idols. Um, and, and here's what I just want to tell you. When they're going after Baal and they're worshiping Baal, uh, that's idol worship. Um, and I think the thing that I just want you to kind of think through as we're studying through Hosea is that idolatry is being used as a term to describe uh, like spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery. This is us when we put something above God. Idol worship or idolatry is us saying something in this world matters more than God. It's people, it's things, it's money, it's power, it's status, it's my goals, it's what people think of me, it's my image. It's all when we put those things above God, we are idolizing. Those things are actually getting worship from us, our mind's attention and our heart's affection is going to other things other than God. And essentially we are cheating on God. And what he's saying to Hosea is we're going to talk about idol worship in the nation of Israel. And what I want you to kind of clue in on is that the church is guilty of idol worship as well. We are guilty of idol worship as well. Uh, chapter two is longer. I'm going to kind of skip that. We'll come back to that next week, but we're going to skip over to chapter three. Um, there's just five verses, and this is going to kind of wrap up the historical part of the story. It's really just chapters one through three are the kind of uh, historical part, and then four on are, are the, the more uh, prophetic versions. So the Lord says to Hosea, go again, show love to a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, just as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. That's kind of a reference to their idol worship and something they had in their kind of services or their idol worship moments. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and nine bushels of barley. Did you catch what just happened? He was married to Gomer. And Gomer went and sold herself to other men. And Hosea, as just a, a picture and a, an example of, of, of undying, unconditional love, he goes and he says, I, I, gotta, I, gotta buy my, I gotta buy my wife back. And they're like, she's yours. That's your, that's your wife. It's like, you can, have, you can have it all. You can have everything. I'll, I'll give you everything I got. There's a sense in which, there's a sense in which uh, you're looking at this story and uh, I'm looking at 15 shekels of silver and nine, I'm like, this, so that's half the price of a slave for the record, 15 shekels of silver. And then he's, he, maybe he didn't have all the silver he needed. So it's like, I got some silver, I got some barley. If I, if I combine these two, will that be enough? He's, he's buying her back. So he bought her back. 
I said to her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be promiscuous or belong to any man, for I will act the same way toward you. Verses four, for the Israelites must live many days without king or prince. Okay, so now there's this moment where he's, he's gone. Okay, so you got you to pay real close attention because there's his marriage that is literally in shambles and he's prophesying to the nation of Israel at the same time. Um, so he's, um, uh, this is a, quite a task. The Israelites must live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or household idols. Like cut the idols and all this junk out of your life. Right, get this crap out of your life. It has no business being a part of any believer's life. Afterward, this is the verse I want to camp out on for just the next three minutes in the band, if you guys want to come up and kind of help us respond here in a moment. Afterward, the people of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. Say, David wasn't their king. This is not David, David. This is the house of David. Um, and, and, and who are we talking about in this case? This is your Sunday school answer. This is Jesus. This is, Jesus isn't around. They don't know Jesus' name yet because he's not around yet. He's not been born, right? This is the Old Testament. This is actually 750 so years uh, before Jesus is even born. Imagine that, right? Because we know that the last 400 years before Jesus came were silent, no prophecy, no nothing. God didn't say nothing. But so like the prophets are kind of the last voices, in the Old Testament, and so 750 years later, so Hosea is not the last one, um, the, uh, the people of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come with awe to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. There's a picture here of God knowing how faithless Israel is and still sending his only son to buy the church back. He's got his wallet out and he's saying, take it, take it. And his wallet is his son on the cross. It's his son on the cross as payment for our sins. Romans 5.8 says it this way, long after Jesus was um, uh, he resurrected, it says that God shows us love like this, that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. That's the picture. You see it? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. There's no amount of do this or do that or stay away from that that can earn that salvation. After all, it's not like it's not like my wife and I have a marriage that's built on like if I do enough stuff around the house, right? Some of you're like, is that not what marriage is? Like you just you make them do a bunch of stuff and then you're happy with them? No. No, there's like a closeness. There's an intimacy, right? There's a sense in which sometimes we need to see God as Lord, right? Yes, he's Lord, he's King, he's in charge. But also he's, he's close, we're the bride of Christ. And, and it's not just, you got in trouble, quit doing that. It's like, why are you breaking my heart? Right, there's a, there's a closeness there. Here's what I'd love to do, just in the next 60 to 90 seconds, 60 to 90 seconds is just to respond and literally just, just you and the Lord before we dismiss. If you want to get on your hands and knees, you can. 
This is just one of those moments where I'm just like, I'm looking at the picture of Jesus through Hosea, right? I'm Gomer in this story. I'm the prostitute in this story. I'm the one who's given myself to other gods. I'm the one who's an idol worshiper. And Hosea bought me back, Jesus. I love that Hosea in the Hebrew, Hosea and Joshua and Jesus all kind of have kind of the same roots of the name. It just means God saves. God saves. The gospel's right there if we'll look at it. So just, there's gonna be some keys playing and we won't sing, we'll just kind of respond. So I just love for there to be 60 seconds of prayer and then when we're done, I'll close and I'll dismiss us, all right? So you have whatever posture you need to have. This is your time. There's 60 seconds of silence here while he pads. Let us be truly changed tonight as we leave. It's in your name of prayer.